Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. To charge the most amount of rent for the most respected job with the least stress and accountability possible. You need to receive rent from the deepest pockets possible with the least amount of accountability possible. There's no point in doing something you're not interested in. Law firms operate on the premise that some people will figure out how to figure out the hidden rules and make the system work for them and others will not. So law firms, for example, generally don't care if you understand and figure out these rules because they have so much power and money that they're going to continue to succeed in any way. Law firms don't care. If they have a class of 50 attorneys that starts and 25 are gone in a year, they don't care. They have the money and power to do to succeed either way. And very few attorneys ever understand the system. And because of this, most of them don't succeed in law firms, unfortunately. And because the idea of charging rent is something people just never escape. They believe that once they go to law school and they get an initial job paying a certain amount of money, that they're going to be entitled to charge rent as long as possible. And they think that they're worth a certain amount of rent. And, and so what happens is when the pool dries up or a law firm's not willing to pay rent or the rent's not high enough for the firm, I mean, they can make more money elsewhere. They try to find a place where they can rent themselves out. And a lot of times, very mature attorneys, by the way, realize that as they get senior and so forth, that expecting to get a position paying the same amount of money as they're making in a huge firm is not easy. But, but the emphasis, of course, is on the rent and, and, what they, and what they're charging. Large law firms, and we will get back to Yale Law School in a minute, but all this is relevant. They can stay in power and they have the upper hand because they can pay high rent. They have clients that are willing to pay them high rent, and then they can pay high rent to their associates and others working for them. But this stress and power imbalance means that if you want to keep working for someone that's charging, is paying you high rent, you know, you're going to be under a lot of pressure. Ideally, if you're a smart attorney, so this is where I really want you to think for a second. If you're a smart attorney, you're going to figure out how to get as much rent as you possibly can doing work you like without the stress. Because you know what a legal career is and what most careers are is about how you charge rent, how you receive rent, and ultimately, in my opinion, staying alive and being happy. It's ironic that I teach and instruct people about law firms, but yet don't work in a law firm. I work with law firms and attorneys, but I'm in the position I am because for me, this working in a law firm is something that when I calculated the cost benefit and so forth, and I had businesses when I was very young doing construction and asphalt and so forth. But the idea is that you need to be alive and happy in addition to the rent. And that's important. You want to be happy you want to stay in live and you want to basically have a balance between what is it you charge for your rent and what is it what do you get being happy and uh, and that's the problem so here's what happens with Yale law school when you think about all this them charging rent and their happiness a lot of what they're doing and most of what they're doing makes sense because they even though they may not do this instinctively or that they may not have made this calculation the whatever the ethos is that people are picking up while at this school and, and so forth, whatever they're thinking, however that works, there's some sort of culture there that's telling people, that's really teaching people about the rules of rent, meaning this 
people having these high IQs and great backgrounds and stuff has made think about things in a different way. Yale Law School graduates, obviously a lot of them, go into academia. Law schools love hiring Yale Law School graduates to do academic-related work. They go into public service, nonprofits, government, and all these things. And if you think about what they're doing, it's actually very smart. They're finding groups many times, that have a lot of money. Think about a law school. They charge, I don't know what they charge these days, but I say a law school's charging $100,000 a year for, and they have 300 students. That's a lot of money. What is that, $30 million a year? And if they have 500 students, that's $500 million. And they put 75 and five lecture rooms, and they pay a professor a few hundred thousand. I mean, what these Yale Law School students are doing, very smart, is they're finding groups that in employers, who has more money than the government? Nonprofits get all this money from people and they're in to, because they do good or whatever. And a lot of nonprofits aren't that efficient with the money. Government certainly doesn't have the reputation for being efficient with money. They're finding groups that have a lot of money that will pay them as much money as they can afford to pay them, which usually is nowhere near what a law firm will pay, but law schools can obviously pay. And then they actually have the least amount of accountability. Meaning, if you work in a law firm, like you're accountable, like every hour is accountable, like you, your bill, everything's accountable. Do you have enough work? Are you working hard enough? And so what, these, what they're doing is they're escaping the market economy and they're going to a place where these rules that are brutal, that are killing people, I'm just, it's true, don't apply. And so if you take a job with the government, what you're doing is you're going to work for a pretty inefficient employer that has a near limitless supply of work and money, meaning these employers, the government has money. Whoever said the government's efficient? Whoever said law schools are efficient? You're going to work with these people with an unlimited supply of money and that has a lot of work and isn't going to make you accountable. There's not a lot of oversight. If you're inefficient with your time, there's no client to question your bills. There's no senior partner saying you work too much on this. There's, it's very, there's no, it's, you can pretty much, I'm, not saying you're not accountable if you are a U.S. attorney and certain types of jobs, but you know, for the most part, you can sit down and work and, um, and then you can leave at 5.30 and have a good time. And you can maybe have better health and, and have a very good life. And these types of jobs they're taking, you hear certainly law schools close and things happen, but layoffs, I don't know. Does the government lay off people a lot? Do state governments or do jobs as politicians. I guess you could lose your job as a politician. But all of this is rare, meaning it's not happening as much as it's happening with law firms. A corporate associate in a law firm and the market goes south and then you will lose your job. You're no longer entitled to charge rent. But in the government, the things go south or a law school, they just they have student loans that are paying. It's just, it's different. And if you're taking a job in a law school, that's a pretty much an inefficient employer supported by tuition. They have huge endowments, some of them of a billion, hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and you need to write and you need to show up and teach some classes, but the pressures are different. And, it, and then you get to be a tenured person where you can work the rest of your life. I had a course professor that I think was teaching up until his 90s. It's just the pressures are different and, and the money just keeps coming. And if you get tenure, then you have a lifetime job where you get a lifetime of being able to be inefficient. And layoffs, they just don't happen. You're part of the normal market economy, 
and and so forth. So these are things to understand. You you're you can talk about improving the world, and but and sometimes of course you do. But this is what I see, and in what you're doing when you're with these Yale Law students, students are doing is they're finding a way to charge the most amount of rent for the most respected job with the least stress and accountability possible. And it's brilliant It's uh, when you think about it. You certainly don't see Yale Law School students dumping dug for the stress of working in a public interest organization. Maybe they do, but it's different. And Bill Clinton graduated, and certainly his first inclination was not to work, to work in a law firm. He decided to teach at the University of Arkansas and then became president, or first he became governor, I think, I don't know, and then he became president of the United States. Wow. Guess who else did that? Obama, Barack Obama. So by taking these jobs, these people have extra time on their hands, and they also have the ability to take that experience and, and keep their, their strength and, and their insight and apply it. How many times do you hear of attorneys from Skadden in New York or something? deciding that they, after a couple of years, that they're, they become governor and then president. This doesn't happen because they're different jobs. And so someone like Clinton is a rent seeker. Now you have J.D. Vance, who wrote a book. I don't know what he did when he graduated from law school. Then he went to work for Peter Thiel. I don't know. But the, these people are managing to avoid the rules of the market economy. And they find institutions that are willing to pay them rent, but they're not really economically accountable in the same way. Meaning, you don't go to work in a law school and they say, we expect you to write down everything you do for 2,500 hours a year. So these attorneys are actually brilliant. And this is brilliant what someone like Clinton did. They figure out the system. And what do you think would happen if Barack Obama had taken a position at Sidley and Austin, where he was a summer associate? Do you think, what would his career path have been like? What kind of stress would he have been under? What, I don't know, there's someone, did he fail the bar? I don't, it doesn't matter. What would, what would his life have been like? Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. I don't know, he might have received more money out of law school, but he would have had to work his tail off. Same thing with Bill Clinton. I don't think Barack Obama would have become involved in politics. Now, he didn't go to Yale Law School, but I'm using this as an example of a type of path that a lot of Yale Law School graduates follow. And Barack Obama probably would have maybe, he certainly wouldn't have had time to get involved in politics. He might have even gotten laid off. He might have been on the counsel at some point and worried about keeping his job. Or look at Bill Clinton. Do you think Bill Clinton, can you imagine him going to work at a large New York City law firm and, and playing that game? What would have happened to him? Or where would he be today? When you expose yourself to the market economy, you're going to go in a far different direction than people who don't. And what people at Yale Law School are doing 
is they're learning that there's a lot of real advantages to being strategic about how they rent themselves out, meaning they're not renting themselves out. They're not looking for the most money. They're looking for the someone, a place that allows them to, I would say, use their mind in creative ways and to have the least to work for people with the most money and the least accountability. Think about that. Awesome. Very smart. And that's where that's going. When you're an attorney, and I'm saying this to everyone watching this and now and in the future, you need to be very careful about how you rent yourself out because the most profound understanding of the market economy and your value comes when you can avoid these rules and rent yourself out to someone that has a deep pocket and doesn't have a lot of accountability, meaning they have a lot of money and they're not watching, they're putting it to use in a law school or they're putting it to use in the government, but they're not watching you very closely. And so you should pick up for this. And this is extremely important. Is, and it could change your life and career is that you need to receive rent from the deepest pockets possible with the least amount of accountability possible and outside the rules of the market economy. And I'll tell you, the best job that I ever had by far was as a clerkship in Bay City, Michigan, in a federal court when I got out of law school. That was a great job. I would show up around eight or eight o'clock and I would go up to the, it was also a post office. I would go up and grab the judge's mail and put it on his desk because his mail came in early. And then I would sit down and read some, work on some motions or whatever, making decisions about different argument things that were before the court. Then I would go sit in the court and help the judge do hearing. Great job. Then boom, he's out of there at 4.30 and I'm out of there at five with the other clerk. And what do we do? We go play tennis. We watch TV. We go to the watch eat. It's great. This is people that find these jobs where you don't have a lot of accountability. It's very, you become very successful. And this is a good path. Meaning I place people in law firms. Fine. But think about this path. If you're in a law firm, which of course is what I represent, but you're exposing yourself to a career in the market economy. And the market economy does reward excellent people and people that provide a lot more value than they take. Meaning if you generate $100 million as a, as a trader at a Citibank, if you get paid $100 million, you're generating uh, $4 billion. What is that? 2.5% or I don't know what it is. I think it's 2.5% of what you're generating. So think about that. And the market economy is going to push and pull, and then it's going to set you into competition with others and stress you out. People are going to undermine you. You're going to be chewed up. You're going to have to fight harder and play games and all sorts of things. And life's going to be very demanding. It's going to keep you away from your family. It's going to get you maybe divorced. And it, will, it may give you a nice car to drive home with. It may give you a nice house. But is it worth it? I don't know. So Yale Law School graduates learned that, and I don't know how they're learning this, but this is the path that they follow, that there's often more benefit in escaping the economy than being part of it. And this is the rule that I want to teach you, is that when you go to work with people that where you don't have as much accountability, meaning I'm not saying that every Yale Law School graduate, every government job, every public interest, every law school job doesn't have accountability, but there are different forms of accountability and they allow more freedom of thought, more time to contemplate things, less stress many times. And this can be a huge lesson and something that you really need to think about. There's more benefit of escaping these forces in the economy many times than being part of it. And again, the time to ponder and think and strategize and maybe even if you have enough time on your hands, you can think about 
being president and getting involved in, I don't know, what did they call Barack Obama before he became a senator? And I actually knew someone that ran against him and he lives in Malibu now. And when, when he won a Senate seat, or I think, anyway, whatever. And what is he? A community organizer. Who's, what associate is going to have the time to be a, compu- a community organizer in Chicago? Because they need to build, build, build. That's the job. Think about that. I'm going to take a quick break. I have, I do have to end a little early today, but I still have, I do have about a half hour or so for questions. I think that I can see already there's a lot of questions. So if I don't get to your question today, then, then I'll definitely answer it next week. That's the same thing I did, I think, the week before, but I do always answer all the questions. I just don't always have time during the webinar. I'm going to take just a two minute break, and then when I come back, I'll get to the questions. The first question is, how important is it for law students and legal professors to have a strong sense of community and connection to their peers and alumni? I don't know. That's an interesting question. <laughs> I think but the, I think I personally think that people are happiest are when they're around people that support them, when, you know, when they're feeling when they're around people who support them. What does that mean? That means that when you're around people that you feel are building you up and you feel connected to people and you have a sense of community, then you're more happy. I think one of the things that's interesting is where I live in, in Southern California, there's all of these rehab centers all over. So if you go into any nice community by the beach, there's always going to be all these rehab centers. And essentially what they do in these rehab centers is they just bring in a bunch of people that have the same problems and they interact and they go to, some of them go to AA meetings. And so the whole idea of taking people that are unhappy and have problems is that you become much happier when you have a sense of community. And, and so a lot of these jobs that people from Yale Law School and so forth are doing are they're pushing, they're around people. They're, when you're a teacher, you're not in a competitive atmosphere. If you're a law professor, it is competitive to get tenure and stuff, but you're teaching teachers and you know talking to peers and it's just different. It's just something to think about. Is it important to be around others? Yes, it's very important. And one of the reasons I think that people are very unhappy working inside of law firms is that they're competitive with everybody there. So meaning they're competitive with their peers or competitive with other attorneys, they're competitive with a lot of people themselves, and they feel isolated. You're in an office, and, and a lot of people aren't your friends. And I think that's one of the things that can be very scary. Now, is it like that in every firm? Yes. Some firms will say, oh, we're very collaborative, and we look out for our people, and the kind of the drill. But is it like that in real life, even the ones that say that? It's something to think about. And they, certainly not every firm is like that. As a matter of fact, the larger the firm and the more it's connected to the market economy, the less that is going to matter. So this next question is, to what extent should law students prioritize exploring their passions and interests versus focusing on building skills and knowledge that will help them secure employment after graduation? I think one of the secrets of getting good grades and doing well in your career, you get good grades when you take classes that appeal to you, meaning when you do things that you're interested in. Meaning, if you're interested in corporate law, then you take a lot of classes to deal with different types of corporations. If you're interested in litigation, you can take things around that. So you, when, you're, when you take classes and you do things that you're interested in, 
you typically do better. When I talk about passions and interests, that would be you want to channel your passion things into that. Also, when you choose a few, and again, most people go to work in law firms. So when you choose the law firm, you should try to focus on something that you're interested in. There's there's no point in doing something you're not interested in. So what does that mean? I know a lot of people that went to great law schools and did well and and become contract attorneys. Now, is there anything wrong with that? I don't think that would interest me because I wouldn't see doing document review and stuff, which is not what all contract attorneys do, but that would not interest me. But at the same time, someone that wants the freedom to go home and doesn't want to have to play the same games, that would be interesting to them. But what I would say is whatever you do, you should try to do your best to focus on whatever it is that interests you in terms of your practice area, and then try to work with people that you feel support you and not the other way around. And that's tough. It can be tough in a law firm. It can be tough, but that's what you sign up for in certain law firms. I think that you know what, you're ta- what people are talking about many times when they go to work, when they say, I want to go to a boutique, or when they say those sorts of things, is they're talking about they want to get away from the most aggressive forces of the market economy. So you're going to find the most aggressive forces in the, of the market economy that are going to stress you out and create problems and make and create a lot of demand on you to have the best work product. You're going to find a lot of that in the largest firms in the largest cities. As you get into smaller markets and smaller firms and firms that may not be as competitive, you're going to get less of that competition, less of that market economy. And that to some people is makes them happy. And it should. You can be but at the same time, you're not going to get the glory of representing the largest clients and making the most money. But does it really matter? That's the question. Is it something that a lot of Yale Law School students think about? I don't know. But I think that they tend to end up in jobs where they're not as accountable, which I think is pretty much can be a very good thing. Sounds like we've got a law school on this call or something. How can law schools and legal employers better support public service and social justice, social justice initiatives in the legal profession? Law schools, basically, I mean, everyone, if you went to a good law school, like a top law school, most law schools, a lot of them will actually pay your student loans if you take a public service job, or some of them will even pay you money in addition to whatever your salary is in a public service organization. Law schools do a lot. They tend to use their endowments and other things to do that. But yeah, law schools will definitely do a lot to support to support that kind of stuff. Social justice, I think, is a little bit different than public service. So social justice can be a lot of different things, but public service and things, law schools definitely spend a lot of time and seem to like that a lot. There's some of the stuff I've already answered. I can answer it again. So this is actually a good question. I like this question. So this next question is, how can, how can law schools and legal employers better prepare law students and legal professionals for unconventional career paths and non-traditional roles in the legal community. I think for one, you need the people need to understand what I just said today. So meaning I think the culture of law schools often emphasizes and people often romanticize working in the largest firms, making the most money. So that's typically where a lot of the focus is. And I think that I don't think that it's necessarily done by the law schools. I think it's the students that go there. So how would you change that? I think that it's cultural, meaning I don't think that 
law students at NYU or Columbia or Duke or or whatever are ever going to, as a group, meaning 50% or more, which would be Yale Law School, I don't think the majority of students at those schools, unless there's a major cultural change, are going to think differently. Just look at how I, I described the way I thought about things. And I think you pick that up based on the students, the people that you're working with. What's interesting, I just wanted to give an aside for this point, and I think it's an important point, is why do you go to, what is the point of going to a top college? Or what is the point of going to a top law school or whatever? Like, what's the point of it? Do you learn something different? Do you, are you getting better professors? And what is the point? Why, what is, why do people do it? And there's, it's obviously the better law school you get into, it, it shows future, it shows your ability to get into that law school, meaning you have to be very smart or whatever, and you have to be very motivated. So it, it does show that. But it actually, so that's a credential and you can get a better job. But actually, the reason that it's important to go to, to get into the best school many times is because of the people that you're around. And so those people will have goals and they'll think about the world in a certain way. And there'll be, I'll just tell you an example. The, there's my daughter grew up with friends. Some of them go to schools and a school in maybe Calabasas, which is a kind of a more of a um, professional, uh, meaning doctors and lawyers and things like that go there and business people. And there's also another school that a lot of her friends that she grew up with, a public school in Malibu. And the people in Malibu are culturally, not all doctors and lawyers and professionals. They tend to be more entertainment and models and things. And so the kids in the school that she knows that go to these Malibu schools, their career goals are to be models and to be they're dating and doing all this stuff. And the kids in schools will, and the opposite is the case at Calabasas, where everyone's working hard and not everyone, but the culture is different. So you go to schools and things because you want to be exposed to the people there and what the way they think about things. The people from Yale Law School think a different way than people from Michigan or Duke or whatever, or Columbia or NYU. They just they think about things differently. And that's the benefit. That's what you're paying. That's why you try to go to a school like Yale Law School. It's because of the kind of people that you're around and what their goals are. And I went to, when I was in college, like I knew nothing about being an attorney, but being an attorney, I didn't know what kind of grades you needed to go to a good law school. I didn't know anything. But the second I got into, the second I got to the school, I started having all these people say, this is what you need to do. This is how you do it. This is what this person did. This is what this... And so everyone starts talking and then your goals change and what's important to you changes. And, and that's pretty cool, you know, because you're going to get a different perspective. If you go to a school that's all about football and, and that's the biggest thing there, you may be exposed to different types of thinking and stuff than you're going to be exposed to if you go to MIT. Just think about it. It's just different. That's you know how I think that works. Okay, what are some key differences in how Yale Law School approaches legal education compared to other schools? And how can students take advantage of these differences to maximize their career opportunities? I'm not an expert in Yale Law School and what its classes are like. I do know that historically, like they have people's first semester, I think that they didn't grade or something. I don't know if they still do that to allow people to learn the stuff without the pressure of grades. So maybe that is something that helps. I think that the level of debate and interest in the subject matter, when you take a bunch of people that have incredible academics and 
smart and and not only that, but took really difficult and interesting courses and stuff in law school. I think that maybe would create a different level of debate. And what am I saying that? So I, I see people all the time that go to, you can go to NYU and again, it's a great law school. I'm not criticizing it, but you can go to NYU or Michigan or all these schools and you could major in sports, sports medicine or something or whatever, arts and crafts or something. You can measure and then get a good LSAT score and get into those schools. And you can do it at Florida State. You can do it at, it's just how it works. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. But Yale Law School tends to not take those kind of people. It takes people that, when I see these resumes, and it's like, you know, there's people, I don't know, there's classics or just very interesting college resumes that you wouldn't really otherwise, or college courses and stuff that are not normal. And they tend to be a lot of people from, very good schools and very academic, and it's just much different. And, and so that's one of the differences, I think. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. How can law schools and legal employers balance the need for rigorous grading systems and evaluation the importance of de-emphasizing grades in order to promote a more collaborative and exploring learning environment? Okay. Yeah, law school, I think, does that in terms of their, their first year with, I, what is it, no grades or their first semester. But I think that in order for the graduates of most law schools to get jobs with good firms and so forth, they need to basically have some students that do really well, some that don't do as well, so employers can distinguish between them. And so I don't know that that it's ever going to be that way. For example, if you go to I don't know what a good law school, USC, which is a good law school. And they're not going to give everyone no grades and or not emphasize that because not everybody from that school is going to be able to get into a great law firm. So they have to break people up into different types of grades and they have to sort their graduates. So you can't, that's why you need grades. And they're even more important as you move down the pecking order of law schools, because when you get down to top 100 schools and things, which are still really good, the biggest and the best law firms are going to want to hire the very best students out of those schools. And they're not going to pay attention to the ones that aren't the best. If you go to, I don't know, Wayne State, great law school in Detroit, if you want to get a job in a big law firm in Detroit, you're going to have to do really well there and be very top of your class. If you want to get a big job in Chicago, which is possible, you might need to be like very high, like one or two in the biggest firm. That's just how law firms do it. So there's no way that grading is ever going to not be rigorous. And so they need it and they can't really de-emphasize grades. And for that reason, work environments are not collaborative and exploratory, like you're saying, because everyone is very competitive with one another. And I saw that when I was in law school, how much competition there was and people are just very competitive. And unfortunately, law firms are like that too, because especially large law firms, because no one necessarily has a lot of employment stability. And the culture of those firms 
uh, is really about providing the best service they can to the clients. And so the people are often walking on pins and needles and doing everything they possibly can to, to do the absolute best work. Okay. And that's what they're promoting. How can legal professionals and employers better support and mentor young lawyers? And what are the benefits of doing so, both for the individuals and the profession as a whole? I, again, I think mentoring is actually pretty important. And I think it's important, especially for younger attorneys. And I think it's important for law firms to have to do as good of a job as they can with retention. A lot of times, the reason that law firms lose people is they feel like the law firm doesn't care about them or is not paying attention to them or not necessarily talking to them in a way or not making them feel welcome or supported. So I think that law firms should definitely try to do that. I remember when I was at a law firm, I was assigned a mentor and I used to call that mentor and say, hey, I want to talk to him and meet with him. And he would always blow me off and not because of me specifically, just because he was always really busy. And, and then he was a mentor to one other attorney too. And I remember he took us out for lunch once and that was the extent of it. But um, had he made an effort to actually mentor me and talk to me and give me advice, I might have ended up spending a lot more time at that firm. So I think that if you're, a, if you're a young attorney and you're working in a law firm, it's important that you find a mentor or multiple mentors that you can talk to and identify with because those people will support you and give you information that you normally wouldn't get. So that's what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to give you insight and information into, into the legal profession that's going to help you. What you learn today is very helpful. You could, you're learning that you can avoid stress by finding things outside of big law firms that that will make you where there's not as much accountability and where you may not make as much money, but you may work more important things and, or have more career satisfaction. So I'm learning about the learned about that. I would say that mentors are extremely important and really something that everyone should do their best to seek out. Okay. Well, this is funny that I'll answer this question. It says, what motivated you to do this webinar? And what is your personal experience with Yale's approach to education? What motivated me to do this webinar? I'm motivated by the idea that, that you need to understand that working in a law firm is about, and working in eagle, any legal job is about renting yourself out. And meaning you want to rent yourself out as efficiently as possible. And by as efficiently as possible, where can you get the highest rent possible with the least amount of stress and the most career satisfaction and in the long run and give yourself the most options. And so that's what I think that Yale Law School is doing. And what is my understanding of their approach to legal education? I don't have any particular understanding of through legal education other than many graduates that I've run across. I do think that because people go to that school many times, they do have a, a very inflated sense of their importance and, and maybe rightly, and they tend to and, but that is interesting in the sense that that sense of importance and so forth may actually end up harming them. I don't know that it does, but it, it may. And so that's just something to keep in mind. But at the same time, they, I think they make very good career decisions. If being an attorney is about, in your life, is about being happy and healthy, and if you want to have, be creative and stuff, then I think that they're doing a lot of stuff very right compared to working in a law firm. And again, I'm, I make my living because of law firms. I'm certainly not an expert in, in every aspect of this, but, and, and I'm not trying to talk you out of working in a law firm, but it's just different. It's about, and I, I think that 
that a lot of people would be happier not working in law firms. I don't think I would have been happy in one of these public service type jobs. I think I've been like a law firm better than that, but that's just me. You describe Yale Law School's grading system as de-emphasized. Can you explain what this means and how it differs? The only thing is the idea of not grading people the first semester, pass-fail honors, and I think they have a, which is basically C, B, I don't know, but, but I think the grading system isn't is rigorous. And because it's not, that people are able to think more about issues, maybe. I don't know. That would be one way that I would think about it. I'm, again, not entirely sure. I'm not an expert in Yale Law School. I just, I see what happens to people's careers based on it. Okay. So let me just see here. There's one, I have to get going in a second. So I will answer the questions I'm missing this week. And there's several, and I'm trying to find a good, okay, I'm just going to answer this one and then, and then I'll do the rest of them next week. I'm sh- Okay, so how do you think that legal profession is changing and what skills and traits do you think will be most important for lawyers to get in the future? So I think that one of the things, I think that one of the big changes is going to be things like AI, you know, uh, coming to the legal profession. I think, I don't think it's going to eliminate attorneys, but I think your ability to use these tools efficiently and is going to be very important. I think you need to learn how to do things like check documents, come up with different aspects of things that you can do with it and to be very effective with it. And I think that to me is one of the most important things I can leave you with. I think that people that are able to use that, and I think that people overseas will be able to use it. And so I think you need to become an expert in how to use it. If I was you, I would take all the classes and continuing education, everything I could. I also think that experts, you need to be a specialist and, and not a generalist. I think that is one of the most important things I can tell you because clients pay for scarcity, law firms hire for scarcity. So the more you're a specialist, the better off you're gonna be. Okay, thank you for being on this webinar. I apologize, there's a bunch of questions I didn't get to, um, but I will make sure that in the webinar next week, that the first questions I ask are the ones I didn't get to. And the one I just answered was actually the last one we had, there's a bunch before it, but I thought it was interesting. So thank you for being on this webinar and I will see you next week. And I think next week is going to be about second round interviews. So that'll be a fun webinar as well. So thank you. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you're an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com. 